Welcome to the Journey Living Podcast, where we take on the real life topics while inspiring you toward hope and healing in God's Word. Join Pastor Mark Bird along with speaker, Christian life coach, Shannon Meyer, as they guide you through a roadmap, gaining fresh vision and inspiration for going forward on your journey, encouraging you to run your race with endurance that is set before you. It's Mark Bird. Welcome back to another episode of Journey Living. We're so excited about this day because this is a fun episode that we're getting ready to unpack. Today, as you're tuning in, we appreciate your heart and your willingness and openness to receive from the Lord. That's our prayer, Shannon, to have people tune in with an open and a willing heart to listen what God would say to them. What do we got for today, Shannon? Well, today is an exciting episode and one that sometimes that we get so spiritual, we wouldn't even say this out loud. Mm. So Mark, you and I are going to say it out loud, okay? I got to, Where is God? Wow. (laughs) I know sometimes we get super spiritual and we're like, we want to ask the question, but how dare we? Because then that would make us look like less than a Christian. (laughs) But how many of you out there, put your hand up or your emoji hand, where is God in this situation? In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about hope and when hope seems lost. And today we want to talk about how do we hope in a God who seems to be absent? Amen. Now, we know he is not, but sometimes our circumstances will look very much like the Lord of this universe is absent. Yeah. That he is maybe on the other side of the world dealing with something else, but he is not here in my cul-de-sac. He's not here in my marriage or nor in my health. And it's here we want to talk about, and i got to start just with the biggest one of all, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, he man. cries out and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Meaning, God, where are you in the midst of this? And so today, we just want to talk a little bit briefly. There's a lot of people in the Bible. We could probably go on and on and on and on. But today, we're going to just talk about a few. Some I'm reminded of is David. We talked a little bit about him last week and kind of like a schizophrenic where he's up one day and out the next and crying and he's here today, gone tomorrow. He's singing God's praises and dances and then he is crying, crying, crying. I think about Job also who said, Man, God, where are you in the midst of this? But one of the big ones, I think, and we're going to talk and kind of hone in on today is Elijah. Yeah. Elijah, the great prophet, after killing 450 Baal prophets, we're going to park ourselves in 1 Kings 18 and 19 and just read this incredible story. So if you have your Bibles, we want to, to have you join in with us. Again, that's 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. We're going to be in there. But I just want to just talk real quick about Psalm 42. And this is one of those of David where he talks in verse 3 of Psalm 42. He says, My tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? Wow. I mean, isn't that what the world is saying to us believers today? Like, where's your God in all this COVID? Totally. Where's your God in all this uh, cancer and in the earthquakes and all the devastations? Is this your God who allows this stuff? And so we as Christians are faced with that persecution. Now, not what's going on in the Middle East. I think Americans have not seen anything what persecution is truly like. In the That's world. for sure. But I do think we are in a day and age where we're going to be put to the test of 
where is your God? And David says that here in Psalm. And then again, in verse 10 of chapter 42, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, mm. where is your God? So let's dig in, Mark. I know you're there in First King. Let's talk about Elijah, what he did, and just let's unpack this for our listeners today. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm over in chapter 19, and, you know, this is right after what you referred to, Shannon, when he went up against and slayed by the power of God, 450 false prophets, mm. like one man, not just one man, it was the power <laughs> of the Lord. And so there was no doubt throughout the land because it literally said fear fell across the land, right? Because right. here was this man, right? And the power of his God slayed 450 false prophets. I cannot imagine. <laughs> so there was no doubt this was a mighty man of God, right? Yes. But then, man, we flip over one chapter into chapter 19, and here's what happens, right? He flees from Jezebel, right? Starting in verse 1, I'm not going to unpack all of that for time's sake, but here's the mighty man of God who takes off running, literally running into the wilderness <laughs> because a woman came against him and said, I'm going to kill you yeah. for killing all these prophets. But we pick it up in verse 11. Here's what I want to say. Because as we're asking this question today, where is God in the midst of it? Like, you know, Shannon, for us Christians, like we know where God is, <laughs> but do we have the moments Absolutely. where we say, where is God in our moment? Because that's yes. what happens. Literally, like I'm going through a crisis. Does God not know this? Yeah. Like you said, is he in China dealing with something or in Russia <laughs> or somewhere across the world? Where is he? Doesn't he know I'm going through this? Yes. But here's where we're going to pick it up in verse 11 of First Kings 19. Then he said, go out. This is God saying to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. So you and I, Shannon, we would say, oh, there you are, Lord. Yeah. I mean, we would. Oh, okay. There you are. You're mighty in power. But the scripture says, and behold, the Lord passed by, but the Lord was not in the wind. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind came an earthquake. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord said, I'm not in the earthquake. Again, we heard an earthquake. We're in the midst of this problem. Lord, there you are. Yes. You just shook the earth. Oh, you must be in the earthquake. No, Scripture says he was not in the earthquake. Picking up verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Because again, we know the Lord, right, through the story of Moses, spoke to him in a burning bush. So, wow, that must have been the Lord. There's a fire. Thank you, Lord. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, this is what we want to get to, Shannon, because we know this is how God is sometimes. After the fire, a still small voice. Mm -hmm. That was the Lord. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? In that still, small voice. So when we're in these circumstances, Shannon, and we're asking ourselves, like, we're not necessarily proclaiming this off the mountaintops, right? <laughs> no. But we're thinking, Lord, where are you in the midst of this problem? And it's in his still, small voice that he answered Elijah. 
And Elijah heard him answer. And the Lord was saying, Elijah, where are you? Yeah, I love that. And that is such a great picture analogy because I think we can't, and you've said it, like you don't question when the big booms happen, when the big life, you know, nobody can discount this was God. But it's here in our weakness and in our struggle that we are like, God, if you are this awesome God that I worship every day of the week and especially on Sundays and I sang your praises three days mm. ago and I woke up this morning in your scripture and I'm, I'm doing everything, but it seems like heaven is silent. Right. And it's like, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? I love what God says to Elijah where it says, then a, a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, I a lot of times put my name in places where God speaks to somebody. Yes, so, amen. So this, I would, I would say, maybe God is speaking to each of us here. When we come to this place of desperation and of doubt, because that is what this is. It is. This total doubt that God is not who he says he is. I know this is a specific place, mouth of the cave on this mountain. But I also think God is saying, or he speaks to me through this, is what are you doing here in this mindset? Right. I see you. I'm with you. I see you searching me. But why are you here in this mindset of doubt? Oh, that's good. Why are you hiding back and cowering? Why are you here? And, and Elijah goes on and, you know, he says, I've been very zealous for you, Lord. I've, I've gone out and I've done everything. I've broken the altars. I've put prophets to death. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me, too. He gives his own rendition of everything he's done. Exactly. God, this is why you should be for me. You know, he's like selling his own case. Hmm. And I think God is still saying, Elijah, buddy, what are you doing here? Because it says the Lord said to him, go back the way you came to yes. the desert of Damascus. Sometimes, and I don't know, maybe this is just for me. But sometimes we have to go back through the muck and mire we just came through to go and find God in a different direction. We will allow ourselves to walk along the edge of a very slippery slope Ooh. or the pit of despair. And the only way up is up and out of a pit. That's so good. And when you slide down and you're in that pit of despair, you're going to have to go up the same way you came down. That's right. And so however you can get yourself up and out of there, and I believe God is saying, Elijah, what are you doing here in this mindset of doubt? I want you to go back the way you came. And let's yes. do almost a rewind. Let's replay this. Amen. Yes, I gave you the power to kill these prophets. Yes, Jezebel is after you. You're going to still have to face her. But listen, buddy, <laughs> you're going back the same That's way right. you came. We're going we're gonna to do this a different way. I have anointed you. I have equipped you. That's right. And he just spells it out to him like, stop thinking like this. And I think for many of us, when we allow ourselves to travel down that terrible road of doubt and distress and despair, and the enemy will take you every time farther mm. than you've ever wanted to go. So even when we open that crack of, yeah, gosh, if God really loved me, because you know the enemy's constantly, right. always right. in our ear. Nitpicking. I've yes. learned this many times. God speaks usually just once, maybe twice. But if something is on repeat, that is 
the devil. That's it. God That's does it, not Sharon. repeat himself over and over. And it talks yeah. here. He is that still, small voice. But it's booming because it's so profound. Exactly. When God speaks. Everyone will listen. Even the rocks will cry out to him. I think one of the amazing things that I've learned, Shannon, is that when God, somehow, when God chastens you, when he corrects you, and I don't know how he does this, because the devil, all he does is condemns and puts shame on you, right? And fear and doubt and worry and all those things. But somehow, when God comes along, as he did here with Elijah, and he chastens him, he he corrects him, but somehow you come out of that chastening session encouraged. Mm. How is God able to do that? Like, you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? But somehow you come out of it, and you're like, you know what? The Lord is with me. I think it's the same as a loving father who... And I raised, we raised our girls this way. I love you way too much to let you act this way. That's good. I love you too much to leave you this way. And when you sit down with your kiddos and you reprimand them and discipline them, but you also do that. You're not just screaming and yelling and telling them how terrible they are. Right. You, you sit down with them and say, listen, I love you way too much to let you do this. I think that's what God is saying to Elijah here. Man of God, you are my son. That's right. I've empowered you to defeat these false prophets and Jezebel herself. Yes. Listen, I can't let you hide here in this cave and, and just lay down and die because I love you too much to leave you this way. I've created you for so much more. And that is where our encouragement comes from. that The Lord will come alongside you, love you like a good daddy. The good daddies of this world, the good papas. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, right. And even could sometimes spank you. Oh, yeah. But then give you a kiss on the head, hug you, and say, you know, don't do this ever again. It's like what he says, go and sin no more. Right. And if you do, we're going to come visit this. But you then become, you be, you respect your father because he loves you so much. He wasn't a tyrant where he's just screaming and yelling and beating you. Right. He did it in love and affection. And that's what a lot of us don't understand is the earthly father is sometimes is what we manifest our heavenly father. <laughs> right. So if you've had that in your life, it's hard to think that God is not mad at you. But he is not. He is a loving, good father that loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And Shannon, I'm just getting the sense that there's believers out there that are listening today and they're saying, man, I, I'm not supposed to have fallen into that pit. You know what? Because that's the thing. Psalm 40, you know, uh, the psalmist writes, uh, I was in the pit. He pulled me out of the muck and the mire Mm -hmm. and he put me on a rock. Right. And it's like sometimes Christians are afraid to speak out and say, you know what? I'm in a pit and I'm not I know I'm not supposed to be here. So I can't really admit that. But here I want you to listen to Psalm 22. This is a psalm of King David, and you mentioned this earlier when Jesus was in the garden, right? And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, he was quoting the words of David himself. Psalm 22, verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear and in the night season, and am not silent. So here's King David, like you want to talk about mighty man of God also. 
as mighty, if not mightier than Elijah. However, here he was. And the Lord Jesus went to quote him in this, in his moment of turmoil and trouble himself, he quotes King David. So here's mighty King David crying out, and he must have been saying, God, where are you? Absolutely. I have written in my Bible, this was written a thousand years before the birth of Christ. And whatever happened on December 7th, 2014, I wrote, help me, Jesus. My girls will often go through my Bible and say, Mom, what were you going through on that day? And mm -hmm. it, I wish I knew sometimes, but I can look back as I date these times and I, I can't tell you today what I was going through, Mark, <laughs> on that day. But I must have been in that where are you God moment. And I've had many of those in my life. But at the end of the day, I have a choice. Right. I have a choice to believe in a father who loves me. The God who saw me in my mother's womb that wove me together and has a plan for my life. Amen. Or I can believe the lies of the enemy. And it's just that simple. Those of you who are listening, I was counseling a woman yesterday, really struggling with believing in the Bible. And I said, listen, at the, at the end of the day, you either believe what the Word of God says and, um, or you don't. And you choose. In Deuteronomy, it says, I place before you this day, life or death, choose life. And I think what we think is put up on a platter for us every single day. Even in our darkest moments when we feel like God is not there, we have to choose the decision, He is for me. That we just can believe in that promise that He will never leave us. Oh, that's it. Nor forsake us. And yes, sometimes He does feel like He's far, far away on the other side of the world. But I believe that He uses those times of, of, for many reasons. One is to test our faith. He's going to raise us up if it's just like that little kiddo. If we give them everything they want at the moment's time, they stomp their feet and, and, <laughs> and smack their hands, then we've just created a spoiled brat. And so many times when God seems absent, we're sometimes throwing the fit. We're having a tantrum. Where are you? Come fix this. I need this done right now. And we're demanding of it. When God is behind the scenes building and working toward our good, I heard this the other day. And I don't even know, Mark, maybe it was you who told me, was it about the ram was coming up on the other side of the mountain? Right. And um, when Isaac and Abraham were walking up one side, the ram was walking up on, on the, the other side. And Amen. As, as Abraham was, I'm sure, saying, God, where are you? You right. do not expect me to lay my son down on this altar. That ram was coming up the other side. And so just because we can't see what God is doing on mm. one side does not mean that he is not orchestrating and he is not creating something for a way out, for something to better your life. And That's I right. I said it last week, a suddenly. Expect a suddenly. Yeah. Because our God is oftentimes in that moment. Yes. We can see him and we can see it through prophecy as things are progressing toward the end times. I think all throughout the Bible, God showed up. He spoke. Something happened. Like in an instant. In an instant. Things would happen in a suddenly. So in your time of distress, where you're thinking, God, where are you? Amen. I want to just encourage that he is there on the other side of the mountain. He is that ram being provided. It may be after the wind. It may be after the earthquake. It may be <laughs> after the fire, right? But it. the still small voice is coming, right? I'm taking, uh, Shannon, to Isaiah 49, and starting in verse 14, and it said, But Zion said, now Zion, 
is the holy city of God. Like Zion is the place where God prepared for his people to dwell. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Mm. So even Zion has said that, right? They've come together and they've said, we don't know where the Lord is either, but I want to pop down to verse 22 where the Lord responds. Because, you know, Shannon, even in our desperation, we've been talking up for two weeks now about desperation. And, you know, sometimes it's God waiting on us to get there. Yes. He always responds when we get to the desperate spot. But he responds here as the righteous have cried out. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standard for the peoples. And they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers Mm -hmm. and their queens, your nursing mother. And they shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet then you will know that I'm the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. So as we're waiting, Shannon, that's what this is speaking out to me today. Because just like you just said, Shannon, Abraham didn't know that the ram was coming just over the crest of that hill. But the answer was coming because God said it would. Amen. That is so good. Isaiah 49, where you were at in 23, my version says, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. That's so good. (laughs) I love that we're we're coming to the close of this uh, podcast, but listen, those of you who will put your hope in the Lord, he promises right here in Isaiah 49, the second half of verse 23. And if you read that, your kings will foster, will be your foster fathers. He talks about they will lick up the dust at your feet, and then you will know that I am the Lord. And in that is that operative word is no. Do you know that God is your father? Do you know that all hope is in him? And that if you put your hope in him, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, and I hope you're encouraged today to know this, that uh, first of all, I think the thing that we desire for the listeners to hear today, Shannon, is first of all, you're not alone. You know, when David cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt alone. We know that Elijah in 1 Kings 19, he felt alone, Shannon. We know that when Jesus was on the cross and he cried this out, he had to have felt alone. So how do we think, Mark, if the Lord Jesus felt this way, why would we never? Exactly. I think many times we get so righteous, and I'll Mm. speak for myself. (laughs) Oh boy. Our super spiritualness. Why in the world would the Lord allow me to suffer through this or to question or to doubt when his only son, I mean, God manifests himself as a human being. Himself cries out, feels desperate, feels hopeless, feels like, where are you? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That is the epitome of where are you, God? Yes. Crying out. And so I think we can take comfort, if that's the word I could use today. If Jesus went through it and um, we know that he turned to his father and he does not leave us nor forsake us in any bit of this. Is it hard? Yes. Is there the earthquakes? Yes. Is the wind raging around us? Absolutely. Is the fire so hot yes. that we can feel the flames? It talks about that in Isaiah, that even though you will go through the waters, 
They will not overtake you. You will go through the fire. You will not be burned. I was coming home um, years ago from a speaker that just really spoke into my life. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. It was a hard time in my life. And he said, Shannon, I want you to lean into the pain. And Mm. he gave me the most beautiful picture. And it still resonates with me today is leaning into the pain. It was Jesus and I on the back of a horse and we are running in a dead run, not a gallop, not a trot. We were just all-out run, and my head is buried into the back of Jesus. Mm. But I can remember feeling the flames in that field, like the flames were on fire. The field was on fire. And I can remember feeling the heat of the flames, and I'm riding, and he just says to me, lean into the pain. Wow. And he was saying to me, lean into me, Shannon. Like, I buried my head in his back, and it didn't say, you're not going to feel that flame. Right. You are going to feel the heat at your feet, maybe even rising up your calf, maybe your thigh. Shannon, if you'll just lean into me, I'm going to take you up and out of here. I don't think we're ever not, our senses are not um, excused by what we feel. I know when we went to Africa, one of the best advice I got to someone is they said, all of your senses will be assaulted. Mm. And they all were. They All of our, our human senses were assaulted. But I think that is true when we're in warfare, when we're just going through life. We are going to see it, smell it, taste it, feel it, but it will not overtake you. Amen. And the battle is not yours. Amen. It's the Lord's. Amen. That is a good ending to our session, our episodes on hope. This has been a great and inspirational series, I hope, for many people because we are in some hopeless times. And as the days trek on, I feel like this is going to be a verse award for somebody in due season, Mark. Amen. And we just want to urge you to cry out to the Lord. These great people of God, they suffered Right, mm-hmm. feeling with feelings of being alone. But we want to urge you to do as they did cry out to God. You've been listening to Journey Living. Thanks for tuning in. And we really hope you join us next week again. And we're going to dig into God's word for some more hope and peace. God bless. Mm-hmm.